just watched some form of basketball on my TV. There was a ball. There was hoops. There was 10 players. It's the uh, Knicks Wall podcast coming at you right after the Knicks destroyed the Lakers in their third summer league game to improve their record to one and two. I'm Brian Giberman here with Kyle Maggio. Uh, the Knicks Wall Podcast is a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You can follow them at Blue Wire Pods. You know the rest of us at Brian Giberman, at Kyle Maggio, at TKW Podcast, at the Knicks Wall. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. You can also find the Knicks Wall on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram. Search the Knicks Wall at any of those places. You'll be able to find us. Kyle, what's going on, man? Uh, just enjoying the Maple Mamba bounce back the last couple of nights. Let me say this. I think it is just as dumb to read something out of whatever it was we just watched in that Knicks-Lakers game as it is the people who were calling him a bust after the first two games. Because that was – like there's summer league basketball and the team the Lakers have out on the court is below the level of summer league basketball. Uh, strong agree. Strong, strong agree. That uh, even, um, even that little spin move in the post when RJ bullied that defender. Um, if you look, the defender is just not really playing defense. Like RJ spun and it was a good move and dunk and RJ did his job, obviously, but the defender like just like brushed off him so weak. You know, just like no NBA, no NBA player would have ever like. If you go look at the replay, you'll you'll see. It just it was pathetic. I can't read anything into how well Knox played, how well Mitchell played, uh, Prostakis. Like I can't I can't take anything from that Laker game. But let's broaden it out, big picture, because that's the third the third game, right? The third game or the fourth? This is the fourth. The fourth, okay. Yeah, they, they were 0-3 before that. So they played the Raptors, the Suns, and who was the first game against? Pelicans. The Pelicans, okay. Yeah, the one that everyone was watching. So let, let's start. I think R.J. Barrett, the most controversial, I think, of what we've seen so far. So here's I'm, – I'm in a weird place with R.J. Barrett. I, I don't have a strong opinion about – what he is going to become. So I'm just kind of taking it all in. And I think after those first two games, people went way, way, way too extreme with the bus stuff. Now, I think there was a discussion to be had and it would have been intellectually dishonest to not acknowledge some of what he was struggling with because it wasn't just in summer league that that stuff was showing up. His struggle to dribble by guys the lack of touch around the rim, the jumper, that that's stuff that showed up in college. And now the kind of the thing that people like you who were really, really high on him are like, oh, he's going to have better spacing and that's going to get a lot easier for him. 
And even with the better spacing and against the Suns team that also didn't really have many NBA players on it, it they weren't nearly as bad as the Lakers. Like I'd say it's a, they were a level above them. But he was still having some problems with some of that stuff. So, so there were some fair critiques to be had. It wasn't to the level of, oh, there's no way he's ever never going to be an NBA player. But you had to critically look at what he was doing. And then the positive, I think we've seen some improvements. Even in that second game, even though he had all the turnovers, you could see that the passing was starting to show up. He That Pelicans game, I basically think, was he was playing against his boy's Zion. He got overamped, and he just didn't look to do anything but shoot. And... I've always thought that passing was his best skill when I was watching him at Duke. And I think that has shined through. And I do feel even with some of those flaws we saw, I feel better about where he was. And I think it's a positive, some of the strides we've already seen him make in these four games that he's been showing, I'm assuming watching some film, working with coaches and making improvements already. Yeah. He really stunk the first two nights. Um, Just, objectively i was obviously rooting for him i'm very high on him uh he was not good uh you know it just is what it is he was better in the second game he just wasn't hitting his shots but uh, you know that's important when you're an offensive player you know highly touted you got to make a shot so um i just like the physicality you know the first two games i wouldn't say he was shook or anything but definitely um last two games he's been really trying to take it in and, you know, use his his weight and length. You know, he's really – he's built. For 18 years old, he's built. So, he's strong. So, seeing him get down into the paint kind of whenever he wants. I, I, he got a ton of free throws tonight. I think it was eight or ten free throws he had. I, will, I don't look at summer league box scores. That's not a thing I do. Oh, well, I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, he had 21, 10, and 3 with a steal tonight. He was 6 of 17 shooting, which that still kind of stinks, but he was 7 of 10 from the line to kind of compensate for that. Uh, eight of those shots were threes, so that's the kind of shot profi- uh, profile you'd want, you know, half his shots coming from deep. So uh, it was a. It, from, my biggest thing is just making sure that rebounding shows up. You know, if his rebounding shows up and then his offense is inconsistent, like that's still a good player for year one. For his age, you know, you got to have a couple of skills that you're bringing to the table. So the passing got better, too. But like the rebounding kind of reappearing is encouraging for me as well, because I think he that's the second game in a row where he's had more than 10. The facilitating is what I'm most happy about, because it's not he's making some advanced reads and he's making different types of passes. He had a filthy behind-the-back pass in that Raptors game that's not going to show up anywhere because the ball got picked off. Uh, not picked off. Uh, Wooden lost control of the ball after the pass was completed. He's had a couple drives and, like, go under the hoop and then flicking it all the way out to the to the free-throw line, to the three-point line. He's hit Mitch in pick-and-roll. He's had dump-offs driving to the hoop. So he's showing a well-rounded passing arsenal. And it's the the Nick. How they use him is going to be. I'm I'm really interested to see the creativity that Fizdale goes with because I do think there's a path where it might make sense if you have another guard who can guard point guards, and you kind of use or I don't think he's not Harden because 
he doesn't get to the rim like that. Like he doesn't have the handle. He doesn't have that quick first step that Harden does. But as more of a facilitate, like more of your like traditional, like what people call your your real point guard, your traditional point guard, his skills kind of when when he's looking to do that, he kind of does have the skills to be that type of player using his size and his strength and stuff like that to just be kind of like a, a point guard who kind of runs your offense and makes good reads. And is there is that the way you go with him? Do you make him a three? Do you stick him at the two? There's a lot of different options with how you could go with him. And I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm excited to see what they kind of where they land on with it. Yeah, he, for me, he's got to be an initiator of some sort. I think that's when he's at his best is when he's able to do a number of different little things in the offense. And, you know, like you're saying, the way he's been moving the ball around the last couple of nights, like – I I really think that's just I, I don't know I just it's it's always been about his uh, willingness to do it more than his ability to like people used to get on Carmelo for not making passes even though like he was uh you know he, he like Melo could make some good passes but he was just a little bit reluctant to do it but like RJ's actually a really good passer like Melo could pass but RJ's a really good passer and it's just. Like, I don't know, last couple of games, like you said, he's really been like uh, the the pick and roll to Mitch even has looked really good uh, on time. So I would prefer that he stays in kind of an, an initiator role like that. I don't want to seem too much as like a forgotten on the wing kind of guy, but uh, that's my hope. But I don't know how they're going to do that with Dennis is my thing. But because isn't that sort of – Bringing Dennis back to to Dallas at that point, where you have a, a wing sort of. I think you could. Luka. I think you could split it a little, little bit more evenly because RJ is not Luca. Correct. It's like a, it's like a poor man's version of. Well, I mean, just for his ball handling ability, really, is my biggest thing there. But some of the quick and I, Luca, I feel like Luca's footwork and ability to get to his spots and. And sh- and jumpers a little bit better than RJ's is. The jumper might be the biggest difference, to be honest. Now, and and Luca's passing's like another level, even though RJ's is very good. Yeah, no, they're not the same level of player in in any way. But I'm just meaning the way that there's going to be another offensive initiator, similar to the way that he had in Dallas to some degree, but hopefully, like you said, they do split it a little bit more evenly. I would hope that Dennis still takes the lead most of the time, but I think having RJ is that secondary kind of guy is where he's really going to be able to be a little bit more successful this year. Well, you can play, and then you could also get him some minutes with Frank or Ellington or Dotson and stuff like, do stuff like that too, where, and let him get some lead time also. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Um, what'd you think of Iggy so far? I'm, I'm, I've been impressed with how he's played. He's even had some drop-off passes when he drives to the lane. Goes, He's able to go left and right. Um, it, he, he, looks, he looks better to me than he did at Michigan. Michigan. Michigan was a weird place this year because they had – two guys in Charles Matthews and Xavier Simpson who had to have the ball in their hands because they weren't good away from the ball. And 
it looks like guys like Jordan Poole and Brad Stakis probably were a little better than we were we were able to figure out because of how that offense was constructed. So he's showing a little bit little bit more than I was expecting. Yeah, normally with second round picks, and I did the same thing for Mitchell Robinson last year and probably doubts in the year before. But um, I normally don't get too excited. I have zero expectations anytime there's a second round draft pick. But um, this year I was a little bit more interested because whenever you trade up to get a guy, even if it's in the second round, normally that piques my interest. Like, oh, he must have seen something. They went up from 55th was their second rounder, and they got went That's, up to 47th. If, if you're not with the 100% Kings, right? correct, they bought that somewhere pick. in that vicinity. Yeah, I, I, I'm like 99% sure. And um, so for me, like you jumped up eight spots. So I was like, oh, okay. I mean, maybe maybe they really saw something there if they had to go get him like that. So I, I've liked what I've seen just because it's confirmation of, you know, like the confirmation bias there where I assumed that maybe they saw something good. Now I'm seeing it. He's crafty. I like him. He could put the ball on the floor. He's gotten to the rim a couple of times just going baseline after uh, catching it in the corner, just pump and go. And I, I like what I've seen. Um, again, having no expectations is always good for that, but he's looked good so far. I hope I hope he makes it, you know, he's going to make the team, I would assume, but I hope he gets some regular minutes. That might that might be hard with all the veterans. I think I think especially if they get Morris, he's never he's not going to see any time. Yeah, and we'll get to Morris later on in the podcast. Someone who we both did have expectations for as a rookie was Kevin Knox. He's now in his second year at summer league, and I'm not jumping for joy, but he's doing what he should be doing as a second year player. The one thing I do like is the ease he is able to get to the basket now and how he's drawing fouls. I think that that's encouraging. The three-point shot still seems to be there, and his length and his ability to get it off over closeouts is probably going to be the most valuable skill, I think, over the course of his career. And it, that is that can be, if he rounds out his game, like a really, really valuable skill to have. Yeah, like tonight was, if you were basically going to have a dream game for Knox this season, like this was the line that you would have kind of dreamt up. You know, in 24 minutes, he had 25 points, seven rebounds, three assists, a steal. It was on seven of 12 shooting, nine of 12 from the free throw line. And uh, uh, out of the 12 shots, he took five of them were threes and he hit two of them. Like a couple of turnovers, three. Um, but that's a really good night, like really efficient, taking a bunch of threes, getting to the line base, you know, the rest of the time. Ten's obviously a ton to get to the line, but you know what I mean? Like, it's good to see him just taking it in, being physical. It's, it's good. I enjoyed what I saw. Uh, he had a really bad shooting night last night. He was three fifteen, So it was good to see him have like a super efficient night tonight. Again, but he still. What was good was even against the Raptors when he was three for fifteen, he still ended up with fifteen points because of how much he got to yep. the foul line. And that was against that was against better competition too. I know the Raptors weren't household names, but that was 
a lot of players from their G League yep, yep. team that won the championship last year. So that's part of the reason the Knicks got smoked in that game a little bit was they were playing against a team that knew how to play with each other. Yeah, and and normally I don't like I wouldn't care too much, but it's in the summer league it's typically a lot of fringe guys, like a lot of really fringe guys you play against. So G League is a step up from that even though they still in my opinion they should be winning these games, but it is what it is. They were the favorites. They were the uh, favorites of the summer league. The <laughs> the most dis- we, we got two more players that are kind of in the rotate that have a chance to be on the roster and one who should be the starter. But before we get to Mitch, Kadeem Allen, he was better tonight, um, but again, not to, against the Lakers. But in general, I think he's probably been the most disappointing player. That's played now. He had success last year in the NBA. And this is so he's kind of following what Dotson did. Like Dotson, we saw have success in the NBA, but then in his second summer league, he really wasn't that good. But Allen's even older than Dotson was. So I find it kind of concerning. And it's something to watch whether he might be costing himself a roster spot or not right now. Yeah, I. I wonder how serious um, they they do take it because I, I wondered that about Dotson last year. I was like, boy, he looks like shit. And I assumed he'd make the roster, but I was like, I, you know, it, it puts a little bit of uh, doubt in your head. So I don't know how I feel about Kadeem. I feel like they're going to keep him anyway. Um, I just thought he played really, really well to end last year. So I don't think a couple of bad summer league games is going to, override that so i think he's pretty safe i think if they cut him it'd be or you know if he didn't make the roster it'd be for they like like a morris type of thing they if they get uh, morris and reggie bullock if they do the rework of the contract for example and i know we'll get to morris later but um then i, I could kind of see a situation where they need an extra spot he doesn't come back but I think he's probably pretty safe. Let's finish off the summer league talk with Mitchell Robinson. Here's my thing. One, I think he's just kind of fucking around out there. I don't think he's taking this all that seriously. He's doing stuff that he was doing in the beginning of last year that we've already seen him fix. I think I think he's I'm, I shouldn't say not taking it seriously, but there's a level of attention to detail that you have when you're getting coached up on a nightly basis and you're playing against higher level competition that I think Mitch is a little bit more locked in when he's challenged versus what he's dealing with now. He's not being challenged right now. This is, this is easy. I think if he wanted it to be, this could be very, very easy for him. What I don't like that the Knicks are doing is if you are going to play Mitch in these games, I understand trying to fine-tune what his role is going to be when the games matter, but I would like there to be some experimentation with him kind of expanding his game, and there's been zero of that. They haven't like featured him in like, uh, hey, get the ball down the block, post up, see what you can do, take a couple jump shots. Like There's been no experimentation with his game, and that would be if – if I was playing Mitchell that much in Summer League, that is the type of stuff I would be doing, not just fine-tuning what he's going to 
what his role it will be in when the games start counting. I, I would like to see a little bit more from a coach. Like that's how I would handle it as as a coach rather than what they're doing. Lest we forget that beautiful finger roll that he had. We we saw some of that stuff last year with the finishing around the rim. Took two strides from the three point line. Nice right handed finger roll. That was a thing of beauty. But no, no I, I agree with you. I agree with you. It'd be nice because even for example, we knew Frank as much as we have rooted for him openly in this podcast, and then at least me have you know turned on him a little bit. But um, they put the ball in his hands a lot last year in the summer league. Like Trier had a lot. Let him poke poke. Posting up, well, post, yeah, posting up, but they let him actually bring the ball up and you know do point guard stuff like they don't let him do in the actual NBA. So it was nice to see him do like they they kind of force fed him, you know, and let him try to make something happen. He isoed a bunch of times, so it would have been nice to let Mitch do that kind of stuff as well. But they seem more intent on uh, Knox getting like zillions of reps in. And uh, RJ getting as many shots as he needs. So that seems to be where their focus is. And Mitch gets to just stick around, I guess. <laughs> All right. That takes care of Summer League. There's still, at minimum, two games left in the Knicks Summer League. We don't know when those are going to be played yet. But we talked about all the players you know on the roster. There's also a lot of other guys on the team. The one and only Ryan Gray has done it again. You can check out his app at thenickswall.com. You type in a play, it's the Summer League app. You type in a player's number and you get introduced to what they can do. So make sure you go to thenickswall.com to take a look at that. Twitter during this free agency period and Summer League, there's been a lot of LOL Knicks, I would say. And there's, I'm really torn about this topic and how Knicks fans are handling it. Look, I, and I've gotten defensive about some stuff at times, but I think there's like a balance to it. Like someone, like when Reggie Bull, when it got like announced that something was happening with Reggie Bullock, there was like, I looked under the Woj tweet and it was just a bunch of people ripping on the Knicks for doing something stupid. And like immediately, like when you read that tweet, it took, no, it, it didn't take, it was, you didn't have to be smart to realize that something happened with his physical and they were reworking the contract. And it came out like 10 minutes later that that's what happened. The signing all the power forwards and not ha- and no having no other positions like there's stuff that's stupid that's going on and people are just killing them and i i do think they're taking it in certain senses too far like there's fair discussions to be had about some of the stuff that that the Knicks are doing this summer but i also do understand the perspective that people are just going at them and piling on when it's also not necessary. And I don't know how to figure out the right balance to what's going on, what's happening, but I do think some people are taking it way too far. On both yeah. ends, the ripping on them and the defending them. It's it's absolute, It's kind of been coming to a head for a while now because 
you know, I've, I've kind of argued against there that there's a media bias thing for a long time. And I know probably tons of the, our listeners are going to get mad at me, but like, there's a couple of guys who make a couple of slanted remarks or tweets, but it's not, it really is not this grand thing, you know, but like what bothers me more is there's good jokes. There's good jokes to be had. I, I, I saw some good ones and normally I let it go because normally my stance is if you want people to stop making fun of your team, why don't you just, you know, make the team good and then there's no issue. You know, there's, there's no, no discussion to be had. The jokes just stop. So I, I normally just wait for that to happen, which never happens. But even, even, <laughs> me, even me suggesting, and I'm not going to name names or anything, but even me suggesting, I was like, this is last week. I brought it up again a couple of days ago. But last week I said, maybe they signed, because they signed all these guys rapid fire. And all these guys had a two-year deal, kind of in the same territory for payment, all with the team option in the second year. It was reported. Well, now, now it sounds like it's not team options, and there's like guaranteed dates on the second year too. Yeah, yeah, and so, but, but that you know, at first, and so I was like, you know, are are they just like stockpiling okay players, like guys with that are average-ish players, maybe slightly above average for certain ones they sign, like a Bobby Portis. But um, are they just like hoarding those guys as best they can so that when it comes time for, you know, the trade deadline, these contenders are going to throw picks at them? Like remember when Timothy Mozgov fielded two first-rounders from the Cavs? Like who knows what you can get for guys. I don't know that any of these guys would get those things, but you don't know which contender needs what at what time. Uh, under what circumstances, you know? So, I, I even I just suggested that, and I got well. What makes you think the Knicks are going to? Uh, even if that's what they're doing, what makes you think they're gonna, you know, pull off at, at any successful deals? And I was like, guys, like I don't, I don't know if they're gonna pull anything off. I'm just saying that I think that that's a reasonable line of thinking for why they had so many deals lined up like that instantaneously. And I couldn't even have a regular basketball discussion about that being a possibility because it was LOL Knicks. Again, I'm all for jokes, but like, you know, we exist as fans on NBA Twitter or on social media or wherever we want to. And we we like this. Like, I'm pretty calm about this team most of the time. Sometimes I just want to talk about my team with non-Knicks fans, too, and just get a good non-biased opinion. And here were people have to say, and instead it's always, I have to have these condescending uphill battles. And it's like, guys, like why, why can't we just talk basketball objectively? Why can't you just see that, you know, maybe it is something reasonable that they're planning. Who knows if they're going to pull it off or not. It's like, we can't even discuss the possibility of that happening. So that's where you kind of lose me. It's like, I'm just trying to have a good talk or a good debate and I can't even do that kind of stuff. And then like after the Raptors game, like, Apparently, the Knicks left without shaking hands, and people were. I saw not people. I saw a someone who writes for a tabloid in New York. Now, was like they need to be held accountable for not shaking hands. Like, what? What are we doing here? What? Why? Like, there's real reasons to kill the Knicks. Like, there. You could. I. With their free, I think all their free agent signings in a vacuum are, for the most part, perfectly fine. Like, there's some guys I like more than others, 
But if you wanted to make the argument that uh, this is going to blow up in their face, they have too many guys that need to play. David Fisdale isn't going to be able to handle the rotation. Young guys are going to get mad at old guys. Old guys are going to get frustrated. Uh, let's have that discussion. I'm here for it. That's that's completely reasonable. You think you think there was someone you should have you should have taken Jared Culver over R.J. Barrett. Yeah, oh, there's a litany of of angles that we can have a reasonable discussion about that the Knicks might have gotten wrong. Can we stop doing stupid stuff? Can we can we like keep it? And I'm not talking about jokes. Jokes is one thing. But like, if you're trying to have like real discussions about this team, can't we find like real things? Like you want to argue that look, I don't think it's as big of a deal as some, but I, I and and in my team construction, I would have traded for a player and taken a pick back, stuff like that. Like if they're if they're gonna sign Marcus Morris, were they dumb to not just take more Mo Harkless and a first round pick instead of paying Marcus Morris, fifteen million. Like that's completely reasonable to have a discussion about. Like not shaking hands, not Reggie Bullock reworking Reggie Bullock's contract, not calling R.J. Barrett a bust after two games. Like, come on, like give me a little bit of a break here. Normally, I don't complain about like the jokes or the LOL Nick stuff because generally they do something to deserve it, and it is what it is. But you know, again. I want to be able to have basketball discussions. Like, I, I don't feel like, you know, at least, at least if, if not a lot of other fans, at least like me and you and a couple of the other guys who do this for this godforsaken team, at least like give us enough respect to know that we aren't insane homers. I get killed in the comments for this podcast all the time because I'm hard on guys like Knox or Frank or whoever else. Like this really isn't, I would like to say I'm pretty objective. I'm sure I have a little bit of bias. We all do. But I'm pretty fair and pretty balanced with a lot of what happens. It's like at least give us that little shred of respect when we go to have these conversa- uh, conversations. Like that's what bothers me. Like don't talk to me like I'm an insane Nick Homer. Like I was on this pod all year saying I believe a big free agent comes here when I see it. Like, yeah, like I got my jokes off for TKW uh, on the Twitter and everything. But, you know, it's just – that's all in good fun. But like my actual account, you see what I'm saying. It's just at least give me the decency to know that I'm not an insane person like that. You know, like the actual real fans who have turned their attention to signing Paul George, Kawhi Leonard and, and Giannis all in the same summer. Like at least I'm not these people. Just please give me a little bit of respect. When you're selling online, get your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter what you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. Interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. 
You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. The one thing, and the one last thing the Knicks are going to try and make happen is signing Marcus Morris, who originally agreed to a two-year, $20 million contract with the San Antonio Spurs, but is considering, because Penn wasn't put to paper, because of the, the, that period, the, how do you pronounce that word? Moratorium? I thought it was moratorium. Moratorium? I don't know. One, one of us, we're both probably wrong, so just ignore. The, that time frame where you can agree to contracts but not actually put pen to paper, now he's thinking of backing out of that and signing a one-year, basically $15 million contract with the Knicks. I would assume that he comes to his senses and he goes and plays for the good basketball team and not the bad basketball team, but I personally would be okay at this point, like – I mentioned it in one of the previous segments. Like, yeah, if they end up signing Marcus Morris, they should have they should have taken Mo Harkless and gotten a first round pick instead of just signing Morris to a deal. But you can't go back and change that at this point. So, signing Morris, a good player who can play the I know he he hasn't played the three as much recently. I, I haven't I've watched the Celtics. I don't I haven't watched or paid attention to him to the extent to know how you do defending threes. But I mean, there's team LeBron James is going to be playing point guard. Kawhi Leonard plays small forward. There's very clearly teams you could play Marcus Morris at the three four, and basically having him and Knox as your three four swing guys if you want to go smaller. It, it I I see room on the roster for him, and I'd have no problem if they went out and did it. Yeah, I remember we were talking about when he was initially rumored, um, you know, like with the other superstars. And uh, we were both pretty on board with that. I thought that was like a hell of a guy that you, you know, for a playoff team, ideally, I thought he was a perfect role player. He was a hell of a player for the Celtics. He was very good. So I wholeheartedly welcome that signing. If they're trying to put together a competitive basketball team, I think that's a great signing. Um, I would have preferred if they didn't sign like Taj Gibson, for example, and then sign Morris because he could play kind of, he didn't play the three last year, but he can play the three versus the rest of these guys are four fives. So like Taj was kind of the one signing where I was like, I guess like, all right, like See, I like, Ta- I would rather of them not sign Portis. I, I like Taj. And just, I don't think you have to worry about playing him as much. Portis is the one that I think they, I said this before, Portis and Payton are the two signings I disagreed with. Payton, for sure. I I don't even want to pop a blood vessel talking about Payton right now. But um, Payton, for sure, I did not want. I see no point in that. Uh, Get the fuck out of here with the, it's a competition now stuff. I'm aware that it is, but I hate it. I think it's, it's just so, it's so stupid. But um. Yeah, I don't know. I I like the Morris signing. I it's gonna be weird if they sign Bullock anyway. Like I don't know. I really have no. Fizdale has his work cut out for him. I I really have zero idea what he wants to do with this roster. I would assume. 
I initially assumed Knox would start, but I don't, I don't know that he does now. I don't know. It depends what he does with RJ. So I, I have no idea. I have no idea either. I, it's, um, I can't, I'm really, it's going to be fascinating to see what he decides to do. I feel like Mitch starts, Randall starts. I feel pretty confident in those two. And then I have, I did feel confident about Dennis up until about a week ago and this stupid Peyton stuff started up. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's one, two, and three is wide open. Here's the part of the Morris story that I think if you're looking at a big picture, it's, and Mark Berman just wrote about this. I'm going to read some of the story that he wrote. This is his lead. Rich Paul, the agent for LeBron James and Anthony Davis, has always wanted a client on the Knicks because New York is the nation's biggest market. Now they get into a little bit about how Morris – now here's another part. According to a source, Paul tried to get New Orleans to trade Davis to the Knicks last month as hard as he tried to get him dealt to the Lakers. Paul, according to the source, values the New York market – and that's why Davis could be in play in 2020 as a free agent if things don't work out in Los Angeles. Now, I don't, I don't think, I think he's Anthony Davis is going to stay in Los Angeles. But long term, I, I would bet money that Rich Paul is going to get a star player. Like this is, I think Paul is going to get a star player on the Knicks roster at some point. I, I would, I would wager on that. Brian, I would like to believe you, but after just yeah, I get it. I get after, it. After after this this rodeo of we're always going to get a guy, like think about how okay I I was with Randall because I spent myself yeah I spent time preparing for the fact that we weren't going to get a guy and Randall was the next best thing and potentially tradable asset. Like like do you hear what I'm saying right now? the justification that I have to do to be okay with this. Like we're not, we're never getting the guy. You don't have to talk. You don't have to talk. Hold on. This isn't saying a super duper star, but he's going to get say like, he's going to get a good player on the Knicks, like a higher level player than Marcus Morris, but not necessarily the Anthony Davis, LeBron James type. Like, just, well, like in Iguodala two or three years ago? Yeah, something like that. A, 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 a Bradley Beal is talking about. Like the level below. Like he's going to get someone. I I feel like he, just based on reading, like the stuff we see him put out publicly, I, I think he's going to get a player on the Knicks eventually. Listen, man, I hope you're right. Uh, I I say this a lot in my tweets and on the podcast. I hope you know I'm wrong, but I just don't feel. I don't. I, it is what it is. Like I, at this point, I'm just hoping RJ turns into a super duper star. Mitch turns into a super like. I have nothing else. Nobody's coming here. It's gonna one of these. Somebody has to take a big leap. Somebody's got to take it soon. Like, like that. That's where I'm at. Like, if you, if everyone wants to be all in on this youth movement, that's great. I have patience, but like, there's got to be real progress this season, and I I don't know that that's basically where I'm at. I gotta I gotta know that the next two and three years are not going to be a waste. 
I'm so tired. <laughs> All right. Since you're tired, what we'll wrap this up. And what else do we got on the site that you have to, that people need to know about uh, social media? You're, you're the maestro of everything here. What, what do you want out there? Okay, folks. And if you uh, haven't checked our timeline the past couple of weeks, um, we kind of teamed up with Design Tree to start putting out shirts. And uh, we got a bunch out there for you for RJ Barrett. We're starting with right now, uh, obviously, from the draft and uh, Summer League. You know, a lot of excitement for him. A lot of people were happy. The next, made what we, a lot of us thought was the easy, easy choice in getting RJ Barrett. So uh, we put out a bunch of Maple Mamba shirts. We got a jersey out there. Number nine on the back says Maple Mamba. Looks great. Looks really well done. Um, we have the Yo I'm a Nick shirt, uh, which is my personal favorite. Really like that one. Uh, we have a Maple Mamba design, which is just the uh, maple leaf and a snake. And then there's a RJNY shirt. Really nice. Really well done. Uh, really happy with them. Uh, they've been very popular so far. So if you have bought them, thank you for your support. We appreciate it. But um, yeah, just go check it out and uh, buy some shirts. And that's a wrap on another edition of the Nick's Wall Podcast. I'm <laughs>